I want to ask you to turn to two passages of Scripture this morning, 2 Corinthians 11 and Luke chapter 4. And we're going to be flipping back and forth between 2 Corinthians 11 and Luke 4 for the whole message, all right? But we'll begin in 2 Corinthians 11. We're in a series entitled Elevate, Breaking Through to New Levels in Life. And we're talking about five different areas in our lives that we need to break through to a new level. We've already talked about faith, how to go to a new level in our relationship with God. We've talked about family, how to go to a new level in our family. And we're talking about freedom now. Last week was the first message on freedom. I talked about the bully of bondage. And we're going to go more into that topic this week. This week, the title of the message is, Will the Real Jesus Please Stand Up? Now, let me tell you where I got this uh, title, because after I sent my notes to the church for the bulletin and the PowerPoint and things like that, someone asked my son, who works in our video department, they said, did your dad get the title of his sermon from Eminem's song? So my son called me and said, did you get your title from Eminem's song? I said, son, uh, Eminem is a candy. <laughs> I don't know who Eminem is. I don't, I don't listen to him. He said, well, it's kind of a bad song. That, you know, if that's where you got your title. I said, no, that's not where I got my title. I got my title from a scripture that we're about to read, but also to make it kind of catchy, I got it from a television show years ago. Now, I'm kind of uh, showing my age here. Some of you, there was a movie that featured it, you know, recently called Catch Me If You Can. But if you learned about it from that, you're still not old, you know. So I actually watched the show growing up. is where they had different people, and they would say, three different people, they each would say he was so-and-so or she was so-and-so. And at the end, they would say, will the real so-and-so, I'm, I'm not watching the old people shake their heads, Will the real so-and-so please stand up? And they would all act like they were going to stand up. You remember that? And then one would stand up, and then you would always say, that's who I thought it was, even though you didn't. <laughs> and the name of that show was To Tell the Truth. To Tell the Truth. Okay, so that's where I got it, because the reason is we're going to talk about, today I wonder if in some churches are we preaching the real Jesus? The Jesus of the Bible. So that's what I want to talk about. 2 Corinthians 11, begin in verse 3. Paul said, but I fear, another way he's saying is I'm concerned. I'm concerned lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus, notice very clearly, if anyone comes preaching to you any other Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you've not received, or a different gospel which you've not accepted, you may well put up with it. You might just put up with it. In other words, I, my concern is that Satan would come in and slowly over time deceive you, and, and what you would begin hearing is the Jesus that's not really the Jesus in the Bible. You begin hearing about another Jesus. All right, this is why I believe it's happened to the church over hundreds of years. In other words, we've begun preaching about a Jesus that can save you and get you to heaven, but He can't help you on this earth. He can't do anything for you on this earth. He really can't help your marriage. You'll just have to kind of work through these difficulties, and if you can't work through them, then you have to get a divorce, and Jesus just can't help you. He can't, 
help you physically, even though He healed people when, the, when He's on this earth. The age of healing is over. He only did it to prove He was the Son of God. And He didn't do it because He really cared about the sick people. He just did it because He's trying to prove something. And He doesn't do that anymore. So if you're sick, He can't help you. If you have a bad marriage, He can't help you. If you have emotional wounds, He can't help you. If you have mental illness, He can't help you. There are other people who are training those things. Jesus can't help you. Jesus can do one thing for you. He can get you to heaven, but it's going to be hell on earth till you get there. Now, that's kind of what's been preached today by many, many churches. And I'm not putting down other churches. I'm telling you the problem is, is the force behind, which is the Satan. And he's trying to deceive us into believing, yes, Jesus can get you to heaven, but he can't help you on this earth. Well, I disagree with that. I believe that Jesus can help you on this earth, and he's the Jesus in the Bible. In Luke chapter 4, if you flip over there, you'll see the first sermon that Jesus ever preached in his home church. All right? So this is the church where he grew up. And you have to understand that Jesus was a carpenter. His dad was a carpenter. He was a carpenter. So for 30 years, he's a carpenter. And then he leaves the the carpentry business and he goes into the ministry. And he starts traveling and preaching in churches. He comes to the church where he was brought up, his home church. And they said, well, you know, he's a carpenter. He's not really a good preacher, I don't think. But we know he's a good carpenter. But let's give him a chance because he's trying to, to get into the ministry. And so they let him preach. So here's his first sermon in his home church. Luke 4, verse 16. So he came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And he stood up to read. And then he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Now, you know, I I know I shouldn't do this, but I kind of look at the Bible sometimes and think, look for funny things. I just wonder how long it took him to find Isaiah since he wrote it. Verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. By the way, it's Isaiah 61 if you want to read it later. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. He's finished with his first sermon. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. They, they said, wonder why he read that passage of scripture. So he he begins to explain, and he goes on with his sermon. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. That's that's an incredible thing. He's telling them, this is who I really am. Now, if you just go down a few verses, you'll see how well his first sermon went over. (laughs) Verse 28, So all these in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath, and rose up and thrust him out of the city, and they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, that they might throw him down over the cliff. After his first sermon in his home church, they decided to kill him. That's how well it went. Now, let me tell you why they got upset. Here's why they got upset. Jesus said, this is who I really am. This is who I really am. I'm not a carpenter. I'm the Messiah. I'm the Son of God. I'm the one you've been waiting for for all these years. I'm the one that's bringing in, that's ushering in the acceptable year of the Lord. That's why the Spirit is anointing me. They knew this was a Messianic Scripture. They knew this was the Messiah. He got them and said, I'm Him. I'm the Messiah. This is who I really am, and this is what I really do. And they got upset with Him. Now listen to me. That's what I'm going to tell you today. I'm going to tell you who Jesus really is and what He really does. And don't come up after and try to push me off the platform, all right? Don't try to kill me. 
I'm going to tell you who Jesus really is and what He really does. In this passage are the five foundational ministries of Jesus. And if you are worshiping a Jesus that can only get you to heaven, that can't help you on this earth, you've got the wrong one. You've been preached to another Jesus, a different gospel, and a different spirit than what's in Scripture. Because this is who Jesus really is, and it's from His own mouth. Okay? Here are the five foundational ministries that Jesus does. Number one is salvation. He comes to save us and to reunite us to God. Verse 18 says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And verse 19, To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He begins and ends his sermon with salvation. I'm here to preach the gospel. And by the way, the gospel is good news. I'm here to give you good news, not good advice. The good news is that you're a sinner, but I'm going to die for your sins. You can go to heaven. I'm going to pay for your sins. That's the good news. And to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now is the time you can accept Christ. Now is the time you can accept God. Before now, you could not accept God and you couldn't be accepted by God. But the acceptable year of the Lord means that now you can accept the Lord. And the Lord can accept you. That's where we are now. And so he begins to tell about salvation. Now, this is his first and his primary ministry. But it's not his only ministry. Now, let me just say a couple things about salvation that you need to know to make sure that you are saved. Number one, it's personal. In other words, you personally have sinned against God, so you personally must repent and accept it. You can't, your parents can't do it for you. It doesn't matter if you were baptized as a baby, you're not going to go to heaven. Until you come to the age of accountability and you begin to realize what's right and what's wrong, and you personally make a decision in your heart that you're going to repent of your sins and follow Jesus, you can't go to heaven because your parents said you could or because you grew up in a Christian home. The only way you get saved is you personally repent and come to God. So first of all, two things about salvation I want you to remember. First of all, it's personal. Second of all, it's public. Jesus said, if you won't confess me before men, I won't confess you before my Father in heaven. The Bible says, if you'll believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. You can't be a secret disciple of Jesus. If you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, it's got to be, it's personal, it's to you, not your parents, it's you, and it's got to be public. You're going to have to stand up and make a public decision for him. So that's the first ministry of Jesus. But it's not the only one. He tells us about some other ministries in this passage. Here's the second ministry, anointing. Verse 18 says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me. Jesus Himself was anointed by the Holy Spirit. If you just backed up a little bit, you'd see how after He was water baptized, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit descended on Him like a dove. And He was anointed with the Holy Spirit. And before He even began His ministry, He received an anointing of the Holy Spirit. It says He came out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. That's in the preceding chapter as well. All right, here's here's my question for you. If Jesus needed the anointing of the Holy Spirit when He lived on this earth, how much more do you and I need it? We need to be anointed by the Spirit. We need to be baptized in the Spirit. We need to be immersed with the Spirit of God. We need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now, we have a ministry called Freedom Ministry here at the church. And if you call, we're gonna, we will take you through these ministries of Jesus. We'll make sure you're saved. We'll, we'll take you through, and I'm gonna name the rest of them in a minute, but inner healing. Healing. We have healing rooms. If you have a physical difficulty where you can come and be prayed for. During our freedom ministry, we take you through inner healing, deliverance, and the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Uh, a few years ago, the church was about, uh, 
was probably three and a half years ago. We were very small. We were in a building that a daycare bought. It was a church building, but a daycare bought it. And we were meeting in that building. We might have had 300 people at the time or so. And uh, Chad Hennings began coming to the church. There he is. I was looking for you right back there. Chad used to play football for the Dallas Cowboys. And um, I think he's about 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, about 280 pounds. And uh, big guy and played line, won three Super Bowls. He starts coming to the church. And we baptized him and his wife, his son, uh, baptized him in the baptistry we had. I actually had to have him bend down like this because he was too big to fold. He, he just didn't fit in the baptistry. So we had him just somehow, we got him all under the water. And he started growing in the Lord, and he heard about these other things that Jesus does. He says, I want it. I want all that Jesus has for, uh, for me. I want it all. So he came in, and Pastor Brady and I met with him. We took him through inner healing, took him through deliverance. Uh, prayed for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, when we started praying for the Spirit of God to come on him, sometimes when you pray for the Holy Spirit to come on you, you, you just begin to feel kind of lightheaded. You just feel overcome by how powerful God is. And so Chad was standing there like this, and I noticed he started kind of, you know, rocking back and forth. Now, let me just let you know something. When I pray for you, I, do, I never push people down. One of the reasons I don't like for people to fall when I pray for them is because I'm not finished praying for them yet. So if I'm praying for you and you start start going back, I'll, sometimes I'll just kind of hold you up till I'm ready for you. You know, I'm, I want to keep praying for you. So he starts kind of rocking back and forth. Well, I was, I was on the side of him. I had one hand on his chest, one hand on his back, and he starts rocking. So I start trying to kind of hold him, you know, like this. But then he, he begins, all of a sudden, he starts falling forward. And see, he was fairly new in the faith, so he didn't know you're supposed to fall backward, you know. So, he starts falling forward like this. Now, remember I told you that Pastor Brady and I were praying for him. Well, I was standing on the side of him. Pastor Brady was in front of him. I remember opening my eyes, and I saw Pastor Brady doing this. You know, like that. And so... Uh, we just kind of, kind of steered him to a couch. Fortunately, there was a couch in Brady's office, and he just fell on the couch, and he, he just laid on that couch for about five minutes because the, the presence of God was coming on him so strong. Now listen to me. That's a good thing. It's a good thing to be filled with the Spirit of God, and, and not just once, but over and over and over and over again, to yield to the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit gives you the power to be a good husband, Good father, good wife, good mother, good son, good daughter, good employee, good Christian. It's the Holy Spirit. And this is one of the ministries of Jesus, is to baptize people in the Holy Spirit. Here's the third ministry of Jesus. Third ministry of Jesus is inner healing. Inner healing. Luke 4, verse 18 says, He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Have you ever had your heart broken? You ever been disappointed? Well, let me tell you what happens when you get disappointed. When you do, Satan is there to try to get a stronghold in your life. One of the ways that Satan comes in is through trauma. And what he does is he pretends to be something he is not. If you want to just flip back to 2 Corinthians 11, then we'll come back to Luke 4. I don't know if you held your place there or not. But in 2 Corinthians 11, he's talking about how Satan deceives. He said, I fear that the same way he deceived Eve, he'll deceive you. And you look down verse 14, it says, And it's no wonder... For Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it's no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. Now, here's what he's saying. 
He's saying it's no wonder Satan does this because he deceives you. He's a pretender. Satan is a pretender. One version says he masquerades or he pretends to be an angel of light. He transforms himself, but so do his ministers. His ministers are demonic spirits. And here's what they do. They will come and pretend to be your friend, but they're not your friend. They are your enemy. And they'll come and pretend to be a friend to you, but they're not a friend. Uh, for instance, let me, let me put it this way. When you get hurt, when something happens and someone says something and it hurts you, immediately demonic spirits are there to take advantage of you. And what they do is they pretend to be your comforter. Listen to me carefully. The Holy Spirit is a comforter. Evil spirits are tormentors. But evil spirits pretend to be a comforter. That's what they do. They come to you when you get hurt and they say, she shouldn't have done that. She should not have done that to you. And after all you've done for her, think of all you've done for her. And then she said that. Not only did she say it about you, she said it to other people. And I want to tell you something right now. You can never trust her again. Now listen to me what he's doing. He's getting you to build a root of uh, a judgment and a root of bitterness against a person. And here's what he says. He puts it in Christian vernacular. Oh, you'll forgive her. Yes, you know, you've got to forgive. You'll forgive her, but you can't trust her. You just can't trust her. You're going to have to always have a line there. See, he's trying to divide you between someone else and the body of Christ. Let me tell you what else to do. This is how good he is. He will tell you how you feel about things. Listen to me carefully. He will tell you, you know how you feel about that? You feel hurt. You feel betrayed. You, you feel, and he'll tell you something like this. You know, you'll probably never be able to get over this. You'll never, come on, has he ever said that to you? You'll never get over this hurt. You'll forgive him, but you'll never get over this. You'll have this for the rest of your life. Now listen to me, this is how he gets into believers' lives, through deception. Because he gets in the same way he did with Eve. He tells us a lie. If we believe the lie, we go into bondage. So he comes and tells us a lie, and he says, you'll probably never be able to get over this. And here's what we do. We say, yeah, you're right. You're right, I'll probably never get over this. And then I've had people say to me, well, I, this is just the way I feel. Pastor, this is just the way I feel. I can't help how I feel. Yes, you can. Yes, you can help how you feel because you can make a choice whether you're going to forgive the way God forgives or whether you're going to hold on to it or not. And if you don't, here's what Matthew 18 says. If you don't forgive the way God forgives, it says that you are turned over to tormentors. And every one of us have been there. We wake up in the morning and everything's fine and all of a sudden we remember what that person said or did and we're just tormented just like that. You have to forgive. And that's what happens. He comes in through hurt and trauma, and that's why we need to be healed on the inside. Our soul needs to be healed. Let me, not only does it say to heal the brokenhearted, on down a little bit in verse 18, it says to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And the old King James says to set at liberty those that are bruised. The word oppressed there means crushed, to crush or to bruise. And here's a couple of things I want you to notice about that. First of all, it said to set at liberty. Listen to me carefully. That means then that a bruise can hold you in bondage. And he's talking about in your soul, not in your physical body. He's talking about a hurt. A hurt can hold you in bondage because Jesus himself said, I came to set people free that have been hurt, that have been oppressed, that have been bruised. I came to set them free. That means it can hold you. Because these spirits come in, and if, if the thing that, that the hurt, that whatever that hurt is, those spirits hold on to that hurt. If you don't get that hurt healed by the Lord, they're going to hold on to it. If you get it healed, they don't have anything to hold on to. When I was uh, young, I, I couldn't pronounce my R's. And I had to go to a speech therapist. And uh, when I was going through inner healing, years later, I'd forgotten all about this. Totally forgotten about it. 
And the guy that was praying with me, he was asking the Lord to bring memories to my mind that the Lord wanted to heal. And then I would pray and submit those memories. And when those memories would come to me, I would feel stress. I could feel hurt when they came. And as I would submit each of them individually to the Lord, I could just feel that stress leave. I could just feel God healing me and touching me. And it was wonderful to walk out of the room after being healed of the past and to not have the glasses of hurt still on and the glasses of rejection. And so while he was praying with me, he, he, the Lord gave him a word of knowledge about, about my speech. And I'd forgotten all about it. And he said, you know, he said, I, I've got a picture in my mind I've got to share with you. He said, I see a little boy on a playground, and he's run away from all the other kids. He's hiding behind the school building, and he's crying because he can't pronounce his R's. He's about six years old. Well, when he said that, those memories flooded me. And I remember, I had totally forgotten about it. I think what I'd done is pressed them so far down because they hurt so much, I didn't want to remember them. Now, see, if you move to a new school and everybody's asking your name and your name is Tom Lane and you can't pronounce your R's, that's okay. But when your name is Waba Mois, I don't laugh, that hurts. No, I'm kidding. Because I've been healed of it. I, can't, I didn't just push it away. I'm telling you, Jesus healed me. Do you understand what happened to Spirits came. Spirits of fear. Spirits of rejection. Listen to this. Spirits of speaking in front of people. What God want me to do. See, Satan knows. He takes advantage of us. And he takes advantage of children. Listen to me. Satan will come against children too. He doesn't care. He hates them too. And he will come in and he gets these. And if you have memories like that that are painful and hurtful, you need to go through freedom ministry that we have here at the church so we can let Jesus heal you of those memories. Here's the fourth ministry of Jesus. Physical healing. Physical healing. Verse 18 says, and recovery of sight to the blind. And if you look down just a little bit in Luke 4, look at verse 38. It says, now he arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house. But Simon's wife's mother was sick with a high fever, and they made request of him concerning her. Now notice, she's sick, and they requested Jesus to do something about it. Now look at verse 39. But he stood over her and told them, I can't do anything about it because I can only help you get to heaven. Is that what he did? Okay, this, let, me, let me just tell you again, this is the real Jesus. If you believe in a Jesus that doesn't heal, you believed in the wrong one. Because when Jesus was on this earth, He healed people. So He stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her, and immediately she arose and served them. When the sun was setting, all those, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to Him, and He laid His hands on a few special ones. No? What does it say? Every one of them. And healed them. Now, can I tell you something? Jesus still heals today. Do you know how I know Jesus still heals today? Because I know God, and God can't change. Here's what I want you to understand. And the immutability of God. There, I, I, one time, I'm, I'm gonna, at some point, I'm going to preach to you a whole sermon series on the attributes of God. Because who, who God is makes a lot of difference. Who you believe He is makes a lot of difference in your walk. Now, I want you to understand who he is. One thing is, he's immutable, which means he cannot change. He cannot change. The reason that he can't change, let me just tell you a big theological truth in a very small package. The reason God cannot change is because if God could change, then he could get better. And if he could get better, then he wouldn't be perfect. You understand what I'm saying? The reason God can never change is because he's absolutely perfect like he is right now. 
So he can't change. Okay, here's what I want you to understand about that. His nature can't change. His character can't change. It's perfect. He can't grow in his character. He can't get better in his character. His character is absolutely perfect. Listen to me carefully. That means, because God can't change, if Jesus healed people on this earth, He still heals people today. He can't stop doing what He used to do. He can't stop. This is who He is. And I'm telling you, Jesus still is concerned about physical healing. If you have a difficulty, and if, you, if you're fighting through something, keep fighting. And listen to me, I know there's excesses in this area on healing. Don't believe them, and don't get under bondage, and don't get under condemnation. If you're not healed, don't let anyone come to you and tell you that it's your fault you're not healed. Don't let anyone come to you and say, well, you don't have enough faith, or you have sin in your life. Don't let anyone be judgmental or critical or condemning with you. But, in the same way, stand by faith. Because God still hears today. Let me uh, say this. What, what three things did Jesus tell the disciples to do everywhere they went? Everywhere they went, Jesus told disciples to do three things. You remember what they were? Preach the gospel, heal the sick, cast out demons. You can look up the scriptures for yourself. Preach the gospel, heal the sick, cast out demons. Now, by the way, Jesus can't change. Why would he tell them to heal the sick if he didn't believe in healing? That's a good question, isn't it? Why would he tell them to cast out demons if he didn't believe in demons and didn't believe people needed to be set free from demons? Jesus told his disciples everywhere they went, make sure you do these three things. Don't stop. Don't stop. All three of these. I want you to do all three of these. Preach the gospel, heal the sick, cast out demons. These must be three pretty important things to him because he told them all to do this. All right? Now, if you had to choose two of these that for hundreds of years it seems like the church has not focused on, Which two would you choose? Deliverance and healing, right? For hundreds of years, we preached the gospel. Okay, now look at me. I'm going to actually try to back up where you can see or you might want to look at the I'm going to give you a little illustration of my fingers there, okay? Three things, all right? Three things. Preach the gospel, heal the sick, cast out demons. We stopped casting out demons. We stopped healing the sick, but we kept preaching the gospel. Is it possible then that we have Christians who are sick and demonized? That was better than that amen. Yes, it is possible. Yes, it is. Because we've been preaching the gospel. I'm telling you, we got sick. We got demonized Christians. Christians under the control and the influence and the bondage of demonic spirits. And Jesus came to heal us physically, to set us free, to, to set us free from bruises and hurts and bondages, inner healing. That's the fourth ministry is healing. Here's the fifth ministry is deliverance. Deliverance. Verse 18 says to proclaim liberty to the captives. Now, flip over to Luke 11. Let me show you where Jesus was casting out a demon. And let me show you a little of Jesus' theology about it. And let me show you a little bit of Pharisees' theology. And they still have this same theology today. They're still Pharisees, by the way. You know, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Pharisees are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Same. All right, Luke 11, verse 14. And he was casting out a demon, and it was mute. So it was, when the demon had gone out, that the mute spoke. That's that's pretty incredible right there. And the multitudes marveled. But some of them said, he casts out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. Now, remember I told you there are things that are funny in the Bible? That's funny, because it's just so stupid. (laughs) How could anyone even believe that Satan would cast himself out? 
Isn't he defeating his own purpose then? And so Jesus has to address that. But I want you to watch the next verse. Look at the next verse. Others, testing him, sought from him a sign from heaven. Uh, Didn't he just heal a mute person? I think he just did a sign, didn't he? That's how spiritually blind they were. They said, I mean, he heals a guy, he's mute, and now he can talk. And they said, hey, would you do a sign for us? All right, verse 17. But he, knowing their thoughts, that's funny to me, all the times that they thought something, he answered exactly what they were thinking. Knowing their thoughts said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And a house divided against a house falls. If Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom said? Because you say, I cast out demons by Beelzebub. Now, verse 19 is good too. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Now, if you had been there that day, you would have laughed. You know how you say, well, I guess you had to be there. Okay, that's what this verse is. Think about this. Jesus said, okay, if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, how do you get them out? Well, the reason that was funny is because they didn't get them out. They didn't know how to get demons out. They had never seen this type of authority and power. See, Now, then he makes a very strong statement. He said, if I cast them out by Beelzebub, how do you get them out? Then he says this, therefore they, these are demons, will be your judges. It's a pretty strong word. Verse 20. But if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he comes upon him and overcomes him, he takes from him all his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoils. Now listen to me carefully. There's a really good thing in there, and I hope you read those last two verses over and over again because it's going to hit you. Some people have said, some theologians have said, okay, now you're the strong man and you're supposed to guard your house because if you don't, the devil will come along who is stronger than you and he will, he will possess your house. All right, listen to me very carefully. I don't think that's what Jesus was saying. Jesus was talking about a mute man that had been in bondage to the devil and Jesus had just set him free. Here's what he said. Satan had this man in bondage. And Satan thought he was secure until someone came along who was stronger than he is. See, Jesus is the one who is stronger. And here's what he said. When the one comes along who is stronger than he is, he overcomes him, takes away his armor, takes away his armor, and takes back everything that he had. And here's what Jesus is saying. Right in front of your eyes, boys, is someone stronger than the devil, and you don't even know it. And I want you to understand something. I can set you free. That's what he's trying to tell them. Jesus is the one. Greater is the one in me than the one in the world. I don't have to fear the devil. If I fear and respect and honor God, God will protect me. If I walk with my eyes open and understand that the devil's trying to take advantage of me. All right? Now, so one of the ministries of Jesus is deliverance, to set us free from demonic spirits. And let me tell you why I feel so strongly about preaching the whole gospel. Not just preaching that Jesus can save you, but He can't help you with mental problems. He can't help you with physical problems. He can't help you with emotional problems. I don't like that doctrine at all because I don't believe it's uh, biblical. 
I believe Jesus said, I came to heal your broken heart, that's your soul. I came to touch your body, to open blind eyes, that's your body. And I came to set you free. I can do this. And I came to anoint you with my spirit. You have to remember where I came from, all right? Uh, My grandfather did not know the Lord. A man began witnessing to him at his work, and so he went over to his house that night to hear the gospel. My father was 16 years old and just gotten his driver's license, and he asked if he could drive him. That's the only reason he went, was so he could drive the car. And my grandfather said, yes, but you have to sit outside when we talk. So he sat on the porch, on the steps of the porch, and no air conditioning back then, and there was a screen door. And my father, sitting on the steps of the porch, heard the gospel for the first time in his life when he was 16 years old. Never heard the gospel before. My grandfather did not accept the Lord that day. My father did. The man witnessing didn't even know my father accepted the Lord at that time. My father gets saved right there on the steps. By the way, when my grandfather was 78, I led him to the Lord later. So my father gets saved. My father had two, has two brothers. Uh, in other words, my grandfather had three sons. My father being the oldest, then another brother, another brother. These are my two uncles. Let me tell you why I believe in preaching the whole gospel. The oldest brother to my, to my uh, father, the one closest to him, is an alcoholic. He is an alcoholic to this day. He just got sent back to prison. He's 66 years old. My father said to me the other day, with tears in his eyes, he will probably die in prison. My brother will probably die in prison. We've tried our whole life to help him. Here's the problem, though. He actually believes in Jesus. He just doesn't believe that Jesus can set him free from alcoholism. He believes that Jesus can get him to heaven because he went to church once he got saved. And he went to church, and here's what they preached every week. Get saved, get saved, get saved, get saved. You know what he thinks? I am saved. I can't get free. Can't get free. And when we try to tell him about a Jesus that can set him free from alcohol, he doesn't believe us. There's no faith in him because he's gone to a church for many, many years that, that all they do is preach one part of Jesus. You know what the church told him, by the way? He, he begged him. He said, I, got, I, I begged him. He lost his marriage. But I, he has two sons, my two cousins. One of them I led to the Lord. He's married to a, a minister's daughter. The other one died of a drug overdose. I preached his funeral. He went and begged the church to help him. You know what they did? They said, you need to go to AA. Now, I'm not knocking AA, but he didn't need to go to AA. He needed to go to JC. He needed to go to Jesus, the real Jesus, the one that can set people free. That's one brother. That's one uncle I have. The other brother uh, was divorced three times and married four. Went to Vietnam, came back so demonized, so, so messed up, was, was a, a, a door gunner, uh, had all these confirmed kills. I don't even want to tell you how many confirmed kills he had. Killed children. Because he was ordered to, because they had, they would send children up with hand grenades, and he told my father that's the first time he ever killed a little boy, and after he, after he shot him and killed him, because he thought he had a hand grenade, he had a little toy truck in his hand. He came back screaming, wake up middle of the night screaming because of the memories, demonized, needed to be healed, finally got saved though, led him to the Lord, the church led him to the Lord, I witnessed to him, but a church finally led him to the Lord, he got saved, he remarried his original wife, was doing great, I thought, but he was attending a church, that didn't preach everything. Didn't preach Jesus could set you free. Didn't preach Jesus could heal you. Didn't preach that Jesus could help you in any way, just get you to heaven. After two years, he put a gun to his head and killed himself because he couldn't get free from the memories and he couldn't get free from the spirits. And he begged someone to help him get free. Begged them to. Listen to me. This is why I'm telling you. Jesus in the Bible can help you. Jesus can help you today. He can help your marriage. 
He can help your emotional problems. He can help your physical problems. He can help your mental problems. He can help your spiritual problems. He can not only save you, He can set you free. He can heal you. He can heal your soul. And He can fill you with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's Jesus. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. What do you need? What do you need in your life? What area do you need to be set free in? What area do you need to be healed in? As I shared that memory a moment ago, maybe you have some painful memories that just continue to haunt you and hold you in bondage. We want to pray with you. We want to pray with you today at the altar. We're going to have people here that can pray with you and minister to you. We may even need that some of our pastors that are in here to stay and help at the altar rather than go to the guest reception. Guess you'll just have to excuse us. We'll have one pastor over there, but we may use some of the other pastors here at the altar today. Because I think many of you need ministry. But also you can call our office and we have what we call, it's called Freedom Ministries. Just remember, I'm preaching on freedom. Freedom Ministries. We'll set up a time where you come in and we're able to talk with you and pray with you through things. We want to help you. You don't have to live hell on earth before you get to heaven. You can live heaven on earth before you go to heaven because you know Jesus. And the real Jesus can help you on this earth. Lord, I pray that you would take this message and you would cause it to go deeply into our hearts. And Lord, I pray for every person that needs ministry, Lord, that they will come and they will ask for the ministry that is available to them. In Jesus' name, amen.